Let's get started. I'm getting a lot of feedback from the stuff we've been putting out that is technically line by line of the creed. I don't know if you've watched today, but we put out today uh, God the Father Almighty, and it's a message that concentrates on God as our Father. We preached it a couple weeks ago. It is an important and vital understanding for every believer to know God as their father. We're not going to re-preach it. I don't like going back over stuff. That's why it's out there. So you can go watch it. But if you haven't, I encourage you to. If you have, maybe watch it again. It's one of those you need to soak down into your soul and really know what your father thinks of you, that you are a part of the family. This is not just a family right here. This is a family right here, but it's part of the big family of God. And our father loves us very, very much. And I hope you are convinced of the love of the Father for you. If you're not yet convinced, I'm going to keep working on you. Right? I want you to be convinced the Father loves you, that you can't run from His love. You are forgiven whether you like it or not. I love to say that, so I'll say it again. You are forgiven whether you like it or not. Now, you may not be walking in it. You may not admit it. You may not receive it, but you are forgiven whether you like it or not because your dad is that good. Your father is so good that you are forgiven whether you like it or not. Receive it. All right. And then last week we talked about creator of heaven and earth. That'll go up next week for everyone that's a little behind on the videos. And I say this stuff out loud so people that watch down the road can go find those titles and go, hey, I missed that one. Creator of heaven and earth. Again, not a review, but our creator God is still creating. You're part of that creation. You have the power of creation in your mouth. I hope you've been using it this week for good, not for evil, because you can use it for both. And it's important that we distinguish the difference. Let's talk about Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. This, is, this baby is ready-made for a three-point sermon if I ever heard one. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. My favorite topic in the world, Jesus Christ. I love talking about Him. I love thinking about Him. I'm proud to be a follower and a disciple of his. He's the reason you're here tonight. It's Jesus. At the core of this whole thing, it's Jesus. We're on a journey to God. We're on a journey to go to heaven. But at the core, you're here tonight because you've encountered Jesus. Somehow, someway in your life, you met him. You met him through a song, through a sermon, through a word. You met him through a best friend. You met him, someone knocked on your door and told you, but I don't know how you met him. And all the stories are varied and they're all beautiful. They're not all like the road to Damascus, but a lot of them are. You came out of one life blind, un didn't know anything about the Jesus you were encountering, and then you met Jesus, and he took the scales off your eyes. Or maybe he put scales on your eyes so you couldn't see the old you anymore, and you've been in a process of understanding who he is ever since. I, I, I would love to go around. Can't do this. Not even going to try. I'd love to go around and hear your Jesus story, because you've got one. And yours is, yours is great, even if you don't think it is. But that moment when you met him, that moment when you first encountered him, Jesus. Let me read, for, go, go if you have a Bible, and, and I'm a big have a Bible guy, okay? That's why we're doing readings as well, because it's have a Bible. Listen, I know we, we've got all kinds of stuff in our future, but one of the things I don't want to do is make you reliant on screens. I like screens. You know, my Tuesday teaching, I teach with screen behind me, and I love it. I put all kinds of stuff up on it. But I don't want to get trapped in it because you don't bring your Bible. <laughs> or you don't have access to one. Maybe you don't pay attention to it. I love for you to know the Word and be able to find it. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 
I'm going to read for you a couple more verses than I need. The reason for this is because of context, okay? I, don't, I like to give you a bit of context to read you. So I'll start at the top. This is a Pauline chapter. This is Paul. I'm going to go to Jesus before we're finished tonight. But I want to start with Paul, and I want to remind you of something. Last week from Isaiah 45, our opening text, talked about God the Creator. And he said he's greater than the other gods in that text. I don't know if you remember that from Isaiah 45. He said, I'm greater than the other gods. He said, you've been making, the other nations make gods out of wood. And he goes, I'm greater than all of those gods. Think about that when you read what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.1. Concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. What a phrase. We have knowledge. We know that stuff offered to idols, Paul goes, we've got the knowledge that that doesn't matter. But the problem is knowledge makes you a little bit puffy in the head. Love is better than knowledge. Love would build people up. Let me remind you of something we said a few weeks ago when we started talking about the creed. I don't, I'm not nearly as concerned with what you know. I want to know who you know, okay? What you know is fine, but what you know is information. Information changes. Who you know is constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you know about him will change, but he doesn't change. He's not going to suddenly not love you. He's not going to suddenly decide he didn't want to forgive you. He's not going to be that suddenly his mercy doesn't endure forever. Or that grace isn't enough for today. All of those things are rock solid. I know in whom I have believed, Jesus. Everything else is knowledge. Knowledge can puff me up a little bit, make me think a bunch of myself. But knowledge doesn't build people up. If I get up here and spew knowledge... Boy, I'm going to show these people how much I know. I've been studying really hard this week. Watch all this stuff I've got. And all that really does is puff me up and leave you going, gosh, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, that, was, that was a lot of stuff. Love edifies, which means love builds up. So instead of knowledge being the exclusive, the exclusive message, love behind it is the message. I want you to keep that in mind as we read on. And if anyone, verse 2, anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. There's a good one. That's a good bumper sticker. If you think you know something, all that tells you is that you don't know anything at all. Right? <laughs> That's good advice for life, by the way. The minute you think you got it figured out, just remind yourself, you don't know as much as you think you do. That'll keep you humble. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the things... I'm sorry. Concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there's no other God but one. For even if there were so-called gods, whether they're in heaven or whether they're on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, Paul's not denying that there are other gods. We all create them. We fashion them. But watch verse 6. Yet for us, there's one God, the Father, of whom are all things and we for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. Pay attention to six one more time. It sounds a lot like the opening of the creed. There's one God, the Father, of whom are all things we for Him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, 
His only Son, our Lord. That's the next step in our faith is not simply that there's a Father that loves me, not simply that He's a Creator, but He has a Son named Jesus. Let me talk Jesus Christ for a moment. When I say Jesus, I'm referencing a man 2,000 years ago that lived by the Sea of Galilee. He was of the tribe of Judah. Uh, we can trace, he could trace his lineage through King David back to Abraham. That doesn't do you any good. A guy named Jesus by the shores of Galilee 2,000 years ago doesn't do any of us any good, quite frankly. It doesn't do me any more good than, the, than Peter or James or John. What does me good is that Jesus was not Peter, James, or John. Jesus was Jesus Christos in the Greek. Christos, English word Christ. Hebrew, Messiah. Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah. Jesus Christ, Christ being the word for anointed one, the one upon whom the, the, the oil of God's favor has been dripped over his head like King David anointed by Samuel and becomes king. He's the anointed one of God. For Jesus to be Christos, he's Messiah and anointed, which means for Jesus to be Christ, he is the one the world was looking for. He is the one Israel was looking for. And he is the one that God chose to be king on his throne. Now, Jesus, the guy next to the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago, never sat on a throne. That Jesus didn't live in ivory palaces and didn't conquer. He, didn't, he wasn't the head of an army. He didn't conquer nations. But Jesus Christ, as we see him, Christ the anointed one, shows us what true anointing looks like by being Jesus. So what would God look like if he were a king? What would God look like if he were anointed? What would God look like if he had the most power? And here's Jesus the guy next to the Sea of Galilee 20 centuries ago saying, what God would look like is that he would get down on his knees and wash your feet. Is that he would forgive his enemies. He would pray for his persecutor. He would get smacked on the cheek and he would turn to them the other one. He would get invited to carry the load a mile and he would carry it too. God would look like Jesus. So when we call Jesus Christ, we are seeing what God would look like if he were simply a man. How would God act if he were a man, Jesus, by being Jesus Christ, is our example. Paul is not Paul Christos. Peter is not Peter Christos. Peter Christ. Paul. Christ. No, no. Jesus is the Christ. Therefore, Jesus becomes the template for what God looks like. Christ the King. Christ the Anointed One. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we are believing in the not just an adjective... <laughs> the anointed Jesus, not just the Hebrew Messiah, the Deliverer. It means that if Jesus is the anointed one, then he is the fulfillment of all of the promises that God made to Israel. Let me say that again, because that is vital for you to understand what God has promised. If Jesus is the Christ... The Christ as the anointed one is the one to whom God made all of his promises. And there are no promises left that God didn't fulfill that he's waiting to fulfill for you. He put all of his promises into his anointed one, into Christ. That's why he anointed him. He poured his spirit without measure into Jesus. 
It was God saying, everything I have, here, I'm going to pour it into this guy named Jesus from the Sea of Gal- next to the Sea of Galilee in Nazareth. Who's, that's Jesus, the Christ. So Jesus then gets every drop. You can, it's, imagine God takes everything he has and tips it over, and he's shaking it all out. Just every drop he has into, into Jesus. Jesus Christ, fulfillment of all of the promises of God. Paul would say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1, all of the promises of God are in him, in Christ, and they are yes and they are amen. Which means that Jesus said yes to everything the Father gave him so that you could say amen to everything that is Jesus. So that when you hear something good, God loves you, it's okay for you to say amen. Amen. Yeah, you don't even have to whisper it. You can say it. You can say it out loud. You can shout it if you'd like. When you hear that he has given you unlimited access to his grace, you can say amen. Amen. And why wouldn't you? Because Jesus said yes, you get to say amen. What is that doing for you? That is not making God circumvent Jesus to come to you. That is you agreeing with Jesus. That is you saying amen to what Jesus has said yes to. And since Jesus is the full recipient of all the promises of God, let me ask you this. If Jesus is the full recipient of all the promises of God, then what are you doing trying to get God to bless you based upon your actions? Why do you believe that there's something left for you to do that if you would do it, heaven would pay attention? If I could just do... if. Buy this, buy my book, 10 Secrets to Get Heaven to Move. And that's the kind of title that'll get you on the top 40 if you got enough of an audience. Because everybody wants the secrets. We want to be able to unlock heaven, the storehouses, and know what we got to do. What food do I need to eat? What food do I need to give up? What translation of the Bible should I read? How many hours a day should I pray? Is there a special cloth I could wear that while I prayed, if I wore it and rubbed it affectionately, I would have the presence of God in my life? And you might say, well, that sounds stupid. Yeah, exactly. It does. Like what special well water could I drink that would bring me some sort of blessing from heaven? All of these are circumventions. Of the one into whom all of God's promises were poured. Christ Jesus is the fullness of the promises of God. So if you want the fullnesses of God's promise, where do you go? Jesus. You go to Christ. And Christ is ready to freely give us all things, Paul said. To freely give us all things. So we don't go to God and say, I've been fasting this week, so I expect you'll bless me. I didn't sin this week in that area that I sinned the week before. I'm believing you're going to bless. I gave 30% of my income. I believe that's going to cause heaven to give me a financial blessing. Or you could go through Jesus. And going through Jesus is the conduit by by which heaven pours out who God is. Now, listen, I'm not telling you. Sometimes we got to say what we're not saying. right? I don't like to do that much because it seems like it's the other side, but I'm going to say it right here. I am not telling you that God's promising you perfect health, all kinds of riches, no problems in your life. Everything's going to go well if you'll just talk to Jesus. No. God did not promise us ease, wealth, perfection if we come through Jesus. What God has promised us is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of heaven's promises And that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. And we come in through Jesus 
Christ. What do we mean when we say His only Son? Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Let me, let me talk a moment about His only Son. Son connects you to fathers. So when you call Jesus Son, you're connecting Him to God the Father. So everything you know about God the Father is reflected in the Son. Okay. How many of you believe that when God, and this is rhetorical, but I want you to think about whether you believe this or not, okay? How many of you believe that when God spoke into Adam and made him in the likeness and the image of God, he was a reflection of God? Okay, think about that. Because I believe that. I'm not, whether you believe that or not is, is up to you, but I believe that when God created Adam, Adam was a reflection of God. That means that what was in the Father was in the Son, Adam. Now, we can get into the weeds about what sin did to Adam and what that did to Cain and Abel, and that's for another story. But the baseline is, is that God is reflected in Adam because Adam is his son. Calling Jesus Christ the Son of God means that the Father is reflected in the Son. So if you are trying to figure out God by reading the Old Testament and making determinations, like you're reading the Old Testament going, here's what God is like, I want to respectfully say I think you're doing it wrong. Look into the, the eyes of the Son so that you can get a reflection of the Father. Because the Son is what the Father looks like manifested. So if you want to know what God looks like in the Old Testament, go to Jesus. And if the Jesus you see would do something, then you can project that onto the Father. See, it's important in Christianity that we understand we came in by meeting Jesus. When we came in by meeting Jesus, Jesus becomes the metric by which we understand the Father. You didn't come to God and find Jesus. You came to Jesus and found God. This is why we preach Jesus Christ. This is why we don't come in here and go, we're here to introduce you to God tonight. I'll, I don't ever, I'll never say that. If I say that, that was a straight-up slip of the tongue. That was me not thinking when I opened my mouth. And I try to never get up here and not think. I'm pretty careful about that. You would be surprised by some of the stuff I've come up with. You go, he was actually thinking when he said that? I know. Give me the benefit of the doubt. But I'm not here to introduce you to God, honestly. I hope you find him. But I'm here to introduce you to Jesus. What Jesus does is show you what the Father looks like. Jesus, because by falling in love with Jesus, you begin to see you have a father that loves you. Oh, you need both. I believe in God, the father almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, because his only son means that he is the inheritor because sonship equals inheritance. When the father writes up a will in the Bible, who's, who's the inheritor? Firstborn son, right? Okay. So whenever we call Jesus the Son, what we're doing is replacing anybody else that ever thought they had a claim on God. Israel, Abraham, you, 
<laughs> me? Anybody who thinks they have a claim on God, Jesus is his only son. The son gets the, the will. The son gets the inheritance. Paul said it this way to the Galatians. God made promises to Abraham and to Abraham's seed, not seeds. This is Paul talking to the Galatians. God made promises to Abraham and to Abraham's seed, not seeds. Why does Paul make a distinction between seed, not seeds? Because his seeds are everybody born of him. Everybody who can trace themselves to Abraham is his seeds. And then Paul said, his seed is Christ. And then Paul closes the third chapter with this little nugget. He goes, anyone who has faith in Christ is now Abraham's seed, not seeds. Anyone who has faith in Christ becomes one of the sons of God. So my faith in Jesus as the son is my access into sonship. It is me acknowledging I have a father and I meet him through his son, Jesus. When we say to you that part of the mission of the church is go into all the world and baptize people into the father and the son and the Holy Spirit is not triple dunks. It's not, we're going to triple dunk people, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's not even Father, Son, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Although we're going to say words over you when we baptize you, yes, but really baptism is a confession of faith. And so if I baptize you, I'm going to ask you, what's your name? Do you commit your life to following? Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and give him your life? Yes. Boom. The name of, I love to say the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But the reality is, is what we're baptizing you in is way more than water. Way more than water. We're immersing you in the reality of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And as far as I'm concerned, that ought to drip off of you when you leave these meetings. When you come into the garden and you get weed, weeds pulled out of your life, let's get rid of the hindrances and the junk. Let's push the secular out and have the moment of the sacred. That's some of the weeds. The watering ought to be so much water that you soak in the goodness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and we let the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost go to work. So when we say the Son, His only Son, our Lord, we're connecting it. I can't, I can't express it enough of how much this has affected my, my life of knowing God not just as this. I don't want to get, I don't want to get stuck on, on talking about him as my father because we've done that. But to get to son, we got to say some stuff there and try to bring those two together. Having a revelation that God is my father, that I am his son, did not come to me because I got convinced of God. It came to me because I got convinced of Jesus. Okay? As I became convinced of Jesus... If I, once I saw Jesus is the beloved son of God and Jesus invites me in to follow him, gives me his body, offers me his blood, take this. That is Jesus bringing me into his, 
his circle, his family. It's him saying, let me pause there. The reason why when we take communion, we say this is not the table of this church and this is not the table of Paul White. This is the table of the Lord is because what we are doing is inviting you to the Thanksgiving dinner. Like you're being invited to the family feast. But we're inviting, we're being invited to the family feast as if we were part of the family. You know what I mean? We're in a culture where hospitality is a little harder to come by. Um, and I don't want to make, this isn't, I'm not slinging stones. I just, I'm just going to say this. We all know this plainly, okay? We'd rather just meet at the steakhouse and have dinner than to go to the effort and have somebody over. Because if you go to the effort and have somebody over, you got to clean. And you got to buy the food. You got to cook it. You got to make sure the menu's just right. And, you know, who's gluten free? And can everybody eat this? And, you know, it's like, it's like a big hassle because you can't just make stuff because then somebody's going to come in and they're going to be all allergic and they're not going to eat. And you're going to feel bad because you can tell they're picking around it because they don't like that kind of stuff. And so it was like, you know, it's just a lot easier to just go out and everybody can just order what they want and we'll talk of it. Fine. Okay. We're kind of that culture. It's a little sad to me just because it's only sad because I know that hospitality is actually one of the gifts of the spirit that's been sort of suppressed in our era, but also because when we open our home, um, we do have to perform a little bit, but when we open our home, we're inviting someone in as if they're part of our house. Like we're saying, you belong at our table. When Jesus breaks bread and, and sheds blood, he claims the menu. This is my body. This is my blood. This isn't your body. This isn't your blood. So you don't get to tell people whether they can eat it or not. It's my house. My house, my rules. My menu. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, eat, this is my blood. Take, drink, this is my blood. That is all of us receiving the fullness of the Father's table, His menu. When Jesus as Son becomes a reality we realize that we're being invited into participation in the family meal. I would also say, and this is a great challenge, and you take this or leave it, but this is the way I feel. I wouldn't invite anybody into our circle that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't first invite to my table at my house. And the reason is not because there are people I don't want in our circle. But because I believe that if we are going to invite people to eat the spiritual bread, because we know it's good for them, let's start with inviting them to eat the natural bread so that there is a sense of family before they ever get to the family. And that's a slower way to build a church. <laughs> but the, there's a spirit behind that that says, I want to give into your life something rather than to just invite you to come to our meeting where you already have a little bit of religious PTSD that we're only inviting you there to get something out of you. You know we're going to take up an offering. We know we're going to invite you back. You know we're going to hand you a flyer about next week's barbecue. Something's coming that we want. And I, listen, all that's, all that's fine. We're gonna, we, we do receive funds. We do 
invite people to come back. Why would we not? That'd be stupid. We bring in, nope, we don't want you to come back. <laughs> of course we do. But the point is that if we really want to be family, then family begins not in the church door alone, but the understanding that we're part of the family of God. Julia said this perfectly. Didn't know where I was going tonight, but said it perfectly tonight. She talked about calling me pastor. Um, and I'm okay with that. I've got people that call me pastor that I've never met. They email me, they listen to my podcast, and they call me pastor because I'm, I'm the closest thing they have to a pastor. That's fine. But to me, the blessing is, is that we got to be friends before we got to be pastor. But I've been in your homes. Like, we, I've shared your life with you. You see, that is... That's the root of family. I don't desire you so that we can have a transactional relationship. So that you can give me something and I can give you something. And that once I feel like we've sapped everything you're worth, well, we'll just move on to somebody else that's got something else to offer. That's not a family. That's, I'm not going to go to the family dinner because they're just going to suck the life out of me. (laughs) Would you avoid that? You try, yeah. You'd find something else to do over that. I take this son stuff serious, man. When I say Jesus Christ is son, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ is son. I take that serious, and I know you do too, and that's what we're talking about. So let me land on our Lord. Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Up until this moment, the creed has been personal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, here comes plural, our Lord. Notice it started with I believe, and then it shifts to our Lord. Why? Because when we share the creed together, we're all going to pray, I believe. And the reason we're going to, we're not going to say we believe, because your, your faith in Christ Jesus doesn't start because we believe, it starts because you believe. So you're always going to claim, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Why our? Because whether you believe it or not, He's Lord. See, you don't have to believe He's Lord for Him to be Lord. Lord isn't Savior. Lord is He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Lord whether I believe it or not. Jesus Christ has won whether I believe it or not. I'll I'll even go this far. Jesus Christ wins whether I believe it or not. I think so. It's not contingent on me believing for him to be Lord. He's Lord. So when we say our Lord, he's our Lord. Even if he's not my Lord, he's our Lord. He's the Lord over all. Let me, if we can, finish with another text I know you know this story, but I want you to be able to find it. So go, if you would, to Matthew 18, and I won't stay long as I'm heading to my clothes, clothing, closing. (laughs) Matthew 18, verse, I'm sorry, 16. Matthew 16, verse 13. All right. I got to quit thinking ahead. Start thinking in the moment. My mouth's trying to get, my brain's trying to get ahead of my mouth. Matthew 16, 13, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. 
He asked his disciples and said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Son of Man, by the way, is a Daniel reference. The book of Daniel calls someone named the Son of Man is going to stand in front of the Ancient of Days and receive a kingdom that shall never end. Jesus calls himself Son of Man to connect himself prophetically to the figure that will be King of Kings. Okay? Son of Man does not simply mean he's the Son of Men. It means he is the figure from the book of Daniel. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're Elijah, others think you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. How many of you realize in this moment he became Lord to Peter? <laughs> he's, gonna, he's Son of Man whether Peter believes it or not. But right here, I believe you are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. The flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Look at that. The Father reveals the Son, then the Son continues to unveil the Father. So, it's the Father's responsibility to reveal to us His Son, Jesus Christ. What we are doing is presenting Jesus, but we are doing more than shoving knowledge at people. We are laying Jesus out in front of people so that they can experience by revelation who Jesus is. Here's here's what I pray for you all the time. I pray that you will have a revelation of the love of your Father as expressed through His Son, Jesus Christ. I pray this for you guys all the time. I pray that my friends will have a revelation of the love of God revealed to them through Jesus Christ so that they can be transformed by the life of God lived out through Jesus. I'm hoping and praying that you have a revelation of who Jesus is and that that so influences your life that it affects how you live. What I will not do is get up here and give you instructions on how to live so that you can please God. What I would rather you know is not how to live, but in whom you can live. But I believe with all of my heart that I cannot change you, I cannot convince you, and I cannot save you. What I can do is reveal to you Jesus and pray the Father do the rest. You know why I'm telling you this? Because I want you to get off the hook if you're on the hook for trying to change your neighbors and your family members and your friends. You don't change people. And the job of the church is not to change people. And we're not going to fall into the trap of believing if we can get them down there, they'll change. Our job is not to change them. Whatever changes in you happens between you and the Father. It's Him and you participating in transformation. What we're doing is introducing you to Jesus, the revelation, the transformation, that all comes on His part. It's up to God to reveal Himself to us. It's up to Christ to reveal Himself to us through revelation. It's up to us to push the seat back, open the door, and invite people to the table. That's what we do. You know why we're creating a space? It's not just because we want to have a church. We're past that. You already had that. It's because we don't want to be alone at the table when there are so many people who need to eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ.
in an environment where they're safe to be them, where they're welcome to be them, to bring the whole truth of who they are to the table. And it is not my responsibility, it's not your responsibility to change them, but to receive them into the love of the Father with the belief that an encounter with Jesus Christ is the exact answer that all of us need to be producers of the best vintage of wine. Because that's where we're heading. We're all producing fruit in Christ. He's the vine, we're the branches. And we're just helping people get grafted in. And then letting the root do the work. So why are worship environments important? Because that's the environment of the table. That makes eating at the table good. Have you ever went to a restaurant and the environment was so bad you decided you weren't going to go back? Why? The food might have been great, but the environment, it was so bad you couldn't even enjoy the food. So we do create an environment, a space where people can encounter the Lord. That's our role. We create the environment. We put the food on the table. We let transformation belong to him. I believe, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I'll claim him as mine, but I, but I pray to him as ours. Because whether I claim him or not, he's, he is. He is. He's Lord. He wins. Whether Paul White's smart enough to see that or not, Jesus is Lord. Aren't you glad for that? Let's pray. This is the exact spot that as this creed becomes confessional for us. I'm not pushing that yet, if you'll notice. I haven't, I haven't said, I want you to confess the creed. I'm letting that take root in you or not. That's coming. It's coming. I'm going to give you copies of the creed very soon and just let you start to wrestle with it. What will happen right here is that opportunity for anyone that visits our table to confess God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So, Father, thank you for what you're doing in, a, in this group. I thank you that you are slowly but surely revealing yourself as our Father, the Creator of our heaven and our earth, all that is material and all that is immaterial, all that is visible and all that is invisible. And as we learn tonight... Jesus is Christ. He's Messiah. He is anointed. He is the Son of God connecting us by inheritance to the Father. And He is Lord whether we believe it or not. I thank you for this revelation of Jesus. The revelation that has absolutely transformed me and made me someone who cannot envision life without knowing this Jesus Christ the Son of God. I pray that for this group. I pray that for those who watch, that that revelation become real in them in Jesus' name. Amen.